Ah, uh, thank you, Leslie. Take your Bible and go to, uh, go to Isaiah, excuse me, I almost said Acts. Isaiah 6, and we'll look there. Thank you, choir. Good to have those young people up there. And orchestra, hey, we look forward to hearing you tonight out in the foyer, and we'll have a great time at 6 o'clock. Wouldn't it be an oddity if God sent revival through an orchestra gathering? Yeah, could happen. As we meet to praise and lift up the name of Jesus. We'll be out there at 6 o'clock tonight. Hope you'll join us. We'll pack that foyer full of people and listen and sing and have a great time together. Well, we're in this series, four weeks on revival. Uh, had so many questions about Asbury and uh, different places where we saw this little flicker and flame of revival popping up here and there and other places. And so I had a lot of questions. Oh, well, we'll just preach about revival for a few weeks in the middle of our Acts uh, series. We'll go back to that in May. Uh, but thought we'd just take a few weeks and look at revival. When we get to the invitation time today, I'm going to ask that, as we did last week, men came, pastors and deacons, and now I'm going to ask you if you are the spouse, if you're the wife of a deacon, active, inactive, he may be deceased, or if you are a minister's wife, uh, I'm going to ask you to come and lead the way and kneel across this place. When Duncan Campbell saw revival in the Hebrides, he took that back to two ladies, one of which was blind, and they began to pray for revival. Matter of fact, they believed God that Duncan Campbell was coming to the Lewis Islands. They sent an invite. He said, I can't come. I'm booked to preach in England. The ladies continued to pray and said, God said he's coming. They said, make preparation. And they, the pastor said, no, he can't come. He's somewhere else. And uh, I've had people tell me things of that nature before, and it's hard to deal with. What do you, you know, I've, well, the meeting in England canceled. Duncan Campbell came to the Lewis Islands. They met him as he got off the ship and said, uh, pastor, and he said, uh, how do you know I'm here? He said, we've got two ladies. They've been praying, said, you're coming today, and we're supposed to take you to where you're staying. You're set to preach this week. And he said, well, I'm here for that. I had received an invite, but I didn't know if anybody knew I was coming. And the wind of God blew, and it all started with two ladies. I could tell you their names, but it wouldn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. They were just God's intercessors. They began to pray, and God shook the Hebrides and literally shook the world through that. A Methodist writer came to look at that island revival, and like I had so many people asking me questions about well, whatever is happening across our land. When he went there, he wrote about the revival, and someone said, what do you think about this revival? He said, that's the wrong question. He said, the question is not, what do I think of the revival? The question is, what does the revival think of me? I thought, amen. If you see a work of God, why is it not in you? And Duncan Campbell began to preach, and God rend the heavens. He did, and came down. Well, I come to a message this morning in Isaiah 6, a very familiar chapter, to many of us in a message entitled Revival Vision, the revival vision of Isaiah. We pick up the text in Isaiah 6 
and read in verse 1 through 13. You listen now because this is the word of our great God. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with, his tra- with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, having, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people. Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Uh, Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return to be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are devastated and without inhabitant, houses are without people, and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places, and many in the midst of the land. Yet there will be, yet, yet, praise God, hallelujah for the yet. Yet there will be a tenth portion in it, and it will again be subject to burning like the terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled, the holy seed is its stump. Isaiah is living in the midst of a godless nation, Judah. And if you read the first five chapters of Isaiah, you see the godlessness of the nation spoken to again and again. In chapter 1, verse 4, he says this Judah is a sinful nation weighed down with iniquity and they've turned away from God. Does it sound familiar? In chapter 5, in verse 20, he said Judah has called evil good and good evil and they substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Does it sound familiar? Chapter 5 and verse 21, he says they've become wise in their own eyes. In verse 22, it says they are heroes in drinking strong drink. Does it sound Budweiser to you? (laughs) Chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If it were not for the very few survivors, Judah would be like Sodom and Gomorrah. Does it sound familiar to you? And then in chapter 5, and you can see it just across the page, in verse 18, look at this. Woe, Isaiah 5, 18, woe to those who drag iniquity 
with the cords of falsehood and sin as if with cart ropes. Do you see what he's saying? He is saying people are bringing sin. They are dragging sin with falsehood with cords of falsehood. They are taking that that is sinful and they are lying to the nation about it and they are dragging it as if it were truth by ropes of falsehood before the eyes of the nation. Does it sound familiar? I never thought after living through some things I've been through of watching racial discrimination and racial war. God turned us. Perfect, no, but we're better. When I see big box stores ramsacked and people running out with grocery carts full of stuff in varied cities and the northeast and the west coast. The Bible still says thou shalt not steal. And yet nobody turns a hand to do a thing. I thought my Lord and my God I'd never see anything like this. And then I watched men dressed as women be invited to elementary schools and put on what they call a, quote, drag queen show. In America? In this culture? Calling evil good and good evil? Calling that that is dark light and that that is light dark? What they're doing is they are doing... Chapter 5, verse 18, they drag iniquity, they drag sin with cords of falsehood. They, people of the scientific community, tell you because cows pass gas, that you're going to have a climate problem. Now, I'm not the sharpest guy in class. But Cal's been doing that a long time. Can I at least get an amen? Amen. <laughs> Lord have mercy. They're going to take my wife's gas stove. I'd like to see you pry it out of her hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I asked a doctor in the early service who's birthed hundreds, thousands of babies. Dr. Lyle, he's been on this stage. We've talked about abortion before. I asked him, I said, Dr. Lyle, he sat right down here where Scott's sitting. Scott, you ever delivered a baby? No, he shook his head, and then he said, no, no, no. 
I asked Dr. Lyle, I, I said, of all of those babies that you've delivered, how many have been delivered through the body of a man? He just shook his head. I said, how many women? He said, 100%. And he said it out loud. Just like. They're dragging falsehood. They're dragging sin with cords of falsehood. They're telling you that a woman becomes a man and a man can become a woman. Let me tell you, XXX, why don't, that doesn't happen. And yet people of scientific background are lying to the culture. And we've got godlessness on every corner. Don't worry. Don't worry. He hadn't changed. And he's saying, I need a people in the midst of a Judah or an American or an England culture. And I will do my work when I find an Isaiah that's ready to lift the flag of truth and live under the banner of the holiness of God. Don't worry, don't, don't worry, don't, don't fret. Get off of Twitter and Facebook and TikTok. As one guy I heard the other day, he said, I've been looking at that talk tick, and the guy said, it's the other way. He said, well, I call it talk tick because everything they say is backwards. I said, hallelujah, I like that guy. Quit letting that run your life. Quit scrolling and start squalling under God. Become an Isaiah. And Isaiah is sitting here in the face of a godless generation. And he has a revival vision. And I want to share it with you this morning that I want to call these ladies to come pray. And I want to invite you to come get saved and invite you to come be a part of this church today. I had the most unusual thing happen in the early service. A guy came forward and he said, I don't want to join the church. I just want to know how can I tithe. I said, I'll take a hundred of you, all right? Amen. <laughs> oh, he's just going to be here for a little while. But it was a great thing. He said, I just want to put my heart here. And, uh, and they, I don't know, oh, God will call you and you come today and say yes to Christ. But let's pray for a revival vision. Isaiah had it. Let's look at it. There are three parts to this vision. Number one, he had what I call a simple upward vision. He saw God. He saw the Lord on a throne. Now, some of you say this, and I don't want you to say it anymore. I want you to get this in your head today. Do not say, well, such and such happened, but, but God is still on the throne. Don't say that anymore. Get still out of it. Such and such happened, God's on the throne. Don't say still like he might have left for a while. He hadn't moved. He's been on the throne. He is on the throne. He's going to remain on the throne. And you can't move him. And you can't move him. This preacher can't move him. He is on the throne. And Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up on the throne. And he saw three aspects of God. He saw him holy. He saw him in glory. And he saw him in authority. Look at it right here. He said, first of all, he is holy, holy, holy. That word means to separate it. God is separated from all that is sinful and immoral. He is pure. He is pristine. He is holy. And Isaiah saw him holy. Holy, holy, and until you see him holy, you will not become holy. See the Lord high and lifted up, holy. Then see him in glory, and he said his glory fill the temple. The whole earth is full of his glory. Do you know everything in this earth gives glory to God except man? 
We have to get saved, and then God turns us to give him glory. The son came up this morning, gave him glory. I had two phone calls from preachers early this morning. One from West Tennessee called me, said, Ted, just call and tell you I love you. I want to pray for you. I said, how you doing? He said, I, it's awful. He said, it's 40 degrees. I'm freezing to death. And it's after Easter. He prayed for me, and I prayed for him. And I had a call from a guy up in upstate New York. I said, well, how are you doing? He said, it's raining, I'm freezing, I'm dying. I pulled up out here at the church. I took a picture of the cross and the sun just coming up. And, and I sent it to him. I said, greetings from paradise. I heard everybody ought to live right here. Amen. Let me tell you, when the sun comes up, it gives God glory. It'll go down, the moon will show up, gives him glory. The stars will come out and give him glory. You have to learn to give him glory. We have too much stolen glory in the church today. People trying to rip it out of God's hands. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, everything you do, do unto the glory of God. He's holy. Give him glory. And then he has authority. And it says that out of his voice, the whole tabernacle, the whole temple was shaken. I'm telling you, when God speaks, it'll rock your world. The whole temple was filled with the smoke of God. Look to God. He rules. He reigns. Pray, cry out, and worship Him. Get an upward vision today. Quit looking at everything around you and letting that run your life. Look up, look up, look up. Your redemption draweth nigh. Look up. Get eyes on God. If you want to hear Him talk, read His book. Have an upward vision. Secondly, Isaiah got an inward vision. Verse number 5, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. He's already talked about the culture being ruined, but now he said, I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. I, I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim, one of the angels, went and with tongs took a coal from the altar and put it on his lips. And then in verse 7 said, he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. He got an inward vision. He saw himself. Is ruined, is sinful. Dear friend, you, 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 and me, we've all sinned. We all will continue. We're ruined. And we need God to come in redemption to cleanse us. Keep your finger in Isaiah 6. I may not get done this morning. Well, I do. I don't have another surface. I'll get done when I get done, I guess. But Romans, I'm just kidding with you. Romans chapter 13. Go there very quickly. You see it come up on the screen maybe, but I got it right here. Romans 13. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. In Romans 13, beginning in verse 11, Paul said, Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken out of sleep. 
For salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and in drunkenness, in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. Isaiah had this inward vision that he was ruined. Paul had this inward vision. He said three things to us. Wake up, clean up, dress up. Wake up, clean up, dress up. Wake up! It's high time. The day of His appearing is closer than it's ever been. The day of salvation. Wake up, church. Wake up. Don't just come sleep through church. Don't just come and sing a song or two and fiddle around on your phone while the preacher's opening the Word of God. Then walk out just as dead as you walked in. Wake up! But after you wake up, you got to clean up. And he says right here, the night's gone, so you got to lay aside the deeds of darkness. Most of you didn't wear to church what you wore to bed. Thank God. Amen. Yeah. You put off your night clothes and put on your church clothes. Let me tell you, when you wake up, you'll dress up. You'll put on the armor of light in verse number 12, and you will put on the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 14. You know the armor. I gave it to you many, many times. Brother Mike uh, Dimick, who's been to the Ukraine and preached all over Eastern Europe, he, he heard me preach this, and he wrote it down. He preached it all. He said, Pastor, I only preached one sermon. Everywhere I went, I took your sermon preached it. And he said, I talked to him about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He said, everywhere I went, I talked to those soldiers about putting on the Lord Jesus and His truth and His righteousness, His peace, to put on faith, to put on salvation, take up the Word of God, and you go forward. And he said, then I'd always give them your line. I'd tell them, you soldiers have got on something that God never told the Christian to put on. You've got on a back plate on your back, but the Christian is never given anything for his back. As Bailey Smith used to say, God gave us no brass britches for backsliding. You don't turn and run. You face the enemy. You face him with truth and righteousness. Not your righteousness, God's righteousness. With the peace of God where you stand in the midst of a storm. The shield of faith that quenches the fiery darts. The helmet of salvation that protects your mind from the stupidity and godlessness of a culture. And the word of God, the sword of the spirit. It's our only offensive weapon. And it's all we need. As we take this truth, wake up, clean up, and then, as I've been telling you, to dress up, to put on. You're to get away from the things that are in your life. Notice what he said, when you clean up, behave, not in carousing or drunkenness. Let me tell you, if you, you've been carousing last night, you've been drunk last night, get rid of that. Stop it. Sexual promiscuity, stop it. Sensuality, if you're hooked on porn, Find help, but get away from it. It'll kill you. Then if you walk in strife and jealousy, you're just mad at other people. Forgive. Lay that down. Clean up. And then put on the Lord Jesus and 
dress up. Revival, you see, revival is a new beginning of obedience to God. That's what revival is. You've been saved, but then you've just gotten cold, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God comes, and you're reanimated. You are renewed. You are revived, and it's a new beginning. You begin to obey God again. What God tells you to do, you do it. Just obey God. Amen. It's the inward vision. We must deal with ourselves. We see God. We have an upward vision. We have the inner vision. And then, lastly, there is what he experienced as an outward vision. In verse number 8, we see it in the text back in Isaiah chapter 6. And I heard a voice saying, and asking, whom shall I send and who will go for us? I will never forget. Dr. Davis, in my first semester at Sanford University, we were studying the book of Isaiah. I will never forget that old man. He's probably about 50. But I was just a kid. That old man, bald-headed. And, and he said, this is the way Isaiah answered the question, who will I send? Who can go for us? He said, the, the Hebrew construct here is that Isaiah is standing on his tiptoes and he's waving both hands and he's saying, here am I, here am I, send me, send me, don't miss me. And that old man jumped up and down. I thought, he's lost his marbles. I've never forgotten it. When God said, who can I send? You say, me, 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 me. send me. Most of us are ducking under a pew. Who'll go? Send him. Send, send this guy over here. Oh, Isaiah said, send me. But notice in this. He says, here I am, send me. And, and he, he said, but when you preach, their ears will get dull. They won't hear. They won't understand. And Isaiah said, well, Lord, if they're not going to listen, why should I? How long? How long should I go? And he answered, until the cities are devastated and there's nobody living in them. The houses are without people. The land is desolate. God's rem and Isaiah said, well, why should I go? But there's the blessed yet in verse 13. Yet, there'll be a tenth portion in it, Isaiah, and it will again be subject to burning like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled, and the holy seed is in the stump. Listen to me, church. When it gets bad, and, and it's bad where we are, we, we're in a culture of awfulness. Don't, don't worry about the culture. Just get yourself right with God and watch this. He'll give you an outward vision. He'll tell you our job is to be the seed. We're to be the seed of the stump. And God's planting that seed. The holy seed is in the stump. You plant seed. In the parable of the sower, the sower went forth to sow, and some seed fell over here, and some over there, and some here, some on good ground, some on bad ground, some on thorny ground, some on hard ground. He says in there, the seed is the Word of God. Our job is to sow the seed in this culture. Amen. Be a seed sower. And so God raises you up and He throws the seed and God waters and plants. And you never know when God's going to raise it up. You just don't know. And we're praying for this revival to come that the seed of the Word of God would have. We, we've got to be sowing. That's why we sow with children. That's why we have vacation Bible school. It's why we do children's work down here every Sunday in the preschool and the 
children's building. We're sowing seed into those kids' lives. You never know. That seed takes root and comes up. We go throughout this city. My wife teaches down here, I think it's three, four-year-olds. Everywhere we go, they see these little kids. They run up to her. They don't even know me. They don't care. They just come grab Miss Liz, kiss her, and tell her, oh, I love you. They look at me like, who's this old man? I love you. Why is that? Because she's sowing seed in their life, and it's going to come up. One day, they're going to move in here, and they're going to hear me. They're going to love me because the seed planted down there is going to come up. We see that in the youth department. Chad and Chris, they've got leaders and all of They're sowing seed in the middle schoolers and high schoolers. And the seed starts coming up. What Tim's doing on Tuesday night, we prayed for 25 years for that building. But God finally gave it to us. And now we got an ark of revival going on out there. I had a man in my office this week. He said, Pastor, I mean no disrespect to you or anybody else, but he said probably the most fertile thing going on at Olive Baptist Church is Tuesday night and what I see God doing in those people's lives. That's why college kids are sitting on the front row. Not, not you, but I mean uh, everybody else. <laughs> He'll give you a seat. I know Gary well enough. That's why these kids come. God sowed seed in their life. Somebody did. They poured it in there. And God's beginning to send revival. And it's coming up. You see, that's the outward vision. And I was over there at Baptist College of Florida, and then I was at Samford University in New Orleans. In the last month, I've been on these three campuses, teaching, preaching. I'm amazed at how young the students are becoming. Dr. Don, they, they look like 12-year-olds, I'm telling you. But I just keep sewing in. I just keep sewing. 18, 19-year-old kid, he asked me the other day. We had Q&A up at Samford. He looked, I said, any questions? He said, I have one. He said, what can my generation learn from your generation to see us forward to serve God? I didn't bat an eye. I said, you need to learn to honor my generation like my generation honored an older generation. Even when we disagreed, we honored them. And you need to learn to honor my generation even when you disagree with us because all generations need the touch of God and we can learn one from another if we don't shut our ears and really open our heart to learn one from another. He said, Pastor, that's just one of the best things I ever heard. I said, I know. I just said Amen. So it's what we do. It's, it's multi-generational. But you honor those even when they do things different. You, I had a guy out there this morning. I was walking in. He said, oh, preacher, you're looking good today. Got on that good-looking tie and suit and your cufflinks. Did you, 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 you dress ready to preach. I said, sir, I can be dressed like this, but I may not be ready to preach. But I'm telling you, you got to be dressed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus before you can preach, teach, sing, do whatever else you need to do. And I said, thank you very much. You see, one generation dresses one way, another generation dresses. It's not what you're wearing outwardly, it's what you wear inwardly. It's what you put on in the godless, God-fearing spirit that you got to have. We are to be seed. Now, take your Bible. We've got one other text. Once you see 1 Peter, go to 1 Peter very quickly, very quickly. And then, John, come on, we're going to sing. 1 Peter chapter 1. Once you look at verse 23. Oh, my, love this text. 
First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, hallelujah, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fades or falls off, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word which was preached to you. That's the seed. It's the truth of God. And when it's sown into your life, it, it brings the flower of the power of God Himself. Sow the seed. Sow the seed. That's Who'll go for us? Who, who'll be a seed sower? Who, who'll go? And Isaiah said, don't leave me out. I, I'm here. Count me in. He said, Isaiah, here's a sack of seed. It'll be 70 years before they come home from Babylon. That's what he's telling. But he said, there will come a tenth. A tithe of the Jew will come home. The tree will be cut down, but out of its stump, will come the seed and the flower. Church, in the year 2000, the median-sized Baptist church in America was 139. 22 years later, the median church in a Baptist world is not 139, it's 69. The church is decreasing. It's getting smaller. It's dying. We talked about that last week. Listen to me. Don't, don't worry. God's just pruning his church. And out of the stump is going to come the remnant. And when God begins to bring the flower, he can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. He may send sovereign revival, and I'm praying he does. I've been praying for it for 40 years. But I can tell you this. While it may or may not be a generational thing, it can always be a personal thing. You've got as much revival in your soul as you want. Everybody in here, you've got all of God you want. You come to him, you bow, and I'm here to tell you, God will fill you with the Spirit. and He'll begin to use you, and you may be the catalyst. God will raise you up and send you. I looked across that altar at New Orleans Friday night. It was packed with all of these college kids, many of them from Mobile, Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, across Louisiana. They were there just packed, praying, crying out to God. I was at the front. I had person after person come and say, Pastor, just pray for me. Just, just pray for me. Just surrendering their life under the Lord. I, it, I told them Saturday morning, we went back. I said, we had just a little touch of renewal and revival in the meeting on Friday night. Hmm. I tell you, Harlan, it was good. God sat down and met with us. He'll meet with us if we get still enough, if we cry out unto Him. Upward, holy, glory, authority. Inward, ruined the angel took the coal. Friend, did you notice what he said? Your sins have been forgiven you. D did you get that? Friend, when you come to Jesus and get saved, he forgives your sins. He forgets your sins. He does away with them. 
you ought to have a running spell. I know what, what little I know about some of you sinners. You ought to thank God. Amen. And what you don't know about me, hallelujah. It's under the blood. And he's forgiven. Redeem me from it. He forgive you if you run to him. You say, Pastor, you don't know how bad I've been. Friend, you don't know how righteous he is. All the honor and glory he has, he'll touch you and cleanse you. And then he'll give you an outward vision. You'll say, Lord, I'm, I'm ready. Use me. You say, I'm not very smart. You don't have to be smart. Just available. Say, Pastor, I, I don't know my background. You don't have to worry about your background. Worry about where you're going. God raises up people. He took Duncan Campbell and the Hebrides. Oh, my. But he took Evan Roberts in Wales. He was nothing. No education. Do you know that 20 years after he died, they wrote in the papers, Scotland's greatest prophet has died today. An old uneducated kid preacher who shook a land by the glory of God. That's what we need today. We're for educating people. I wouldn't have been on these campuses if it wasn't for that. I, I'm for it. But God will reach and take a broken man or a woman, set them ablaze, and he just might send revival. We've got to believe him for it. I'm going to ask ladies, wives of ministers, deacons, deacons active, inactive. Some of the, you women, your, your deacon husband is dead. That's fine. I want you to come. If you're here in the wife of a pastor, a retired pastor, one of our staffers, then I want you to lead the way right now. And John's going to begin to sing a song. And while he sings this song, you come and just kneel. I'm going to be standing here. If you've never been saved, need to be saved, come see me. If you're here and want to join the church, come take my hand. Ladies will go around me. You just come right here. Ladies, make your way here now. Just come. Lead the way. I want you to help us. Make, I want you to help us as we just bow before the Lord this day. Amen. I had ladies in the first service couldn't, couldn't kneel so they'd sit. Amen.